Welcome to Nine Bob Note with Paul Isles Rush and Ken Moss. It's Saturday. It's time for Nine Bob Note. Hello, everyone. I'm Ken Moss. <laughs> and I'm Paul Isles Rush. Well, it's your turn this week. What are we discussing? Well, I thought, uh, because we uh, we tend to talk about um, things that are very close to to my heart. And so I thought this week we'd maybe talk about something a bit that's close, close to your heart and mine. Fourteen. Now, I wonder where this could be going. <laughs> Would you like to tell the boys and girls at home? Yes, so it, it, it's, it's no secret. Anyone who, uh, anyone who knows either of us or both will know that Ken is a huge Doctor Who fan. And I, a Doctor Who fan. Yes, probably, you, you, I, <laughs> yes so there's been speculation that Jodie Whittaker is going to be hanging up her ridiculous costume at the end of the series she's currently filming. So, obviously, there comes the speculation of who's next, who's going to be number 14. Now, we like to put a, a nine bob note spin on things, so I'll sort of lead into it mm. with um, we've had a comments from the likes of John Barrowman, <laughs> Captain Jack Harkness, of course, and various other people who've said that it's it's time that an LGBT person played the doctor. First of all, We've we've covered this ground before. <laughs> yes, Let, uh, I thought we could maybe get that out of the way very quickly and then just talk about who who we want to be. <laughs> well, since you've brought it up, fire away. First of all, uh, the LGBT thing I think is ridiculous. We've spoken about mm. it, it, neither of us care what the sexual orientation or or the gender identity of the actor who plays <laughs> plays the mm. doctor or plays any role is. The and I think we're both agreed that the idea of the character of the Doctor being involved in a romantic relationship with anyone is just not really. It's not what the show's about. Well, is it? We- <laughs> there's any number of character lead characters that the story arc has unfolded. There's been a will they won't they all the way through it. It's been explored with any number of. Superheroes, lead characters, what have you. The yeah. Doctor is not that person. No. They touched on it with Paul McGann very skillfully, actually. Mm, yeah. They really sort of explored it with Christopher Eccleston and then to a greater extent, really, with David Tennant. Yeah. And then they sort of boxed that off. It never really... Uh, Matt Smith's Doctor, it was attempted by the companion, but Matt Smith's Doctor was having none of it. No. Uh, there was the... <laughs> And then he, he actually married River Song, and it was quite clear that River Song there was that yeah. that was uh, uh, his first proper love, really. I think. Yeah. And again, it, it was explored, but in such a way that it wasn't a major thing. It was there in the background, but it wasn't in any way the the driving force behind the stories or, or the story arc. I'd be amazed if in series thirteen. They don't take the opportunity because I noticed in the uh, New Year's special uh, Revolution of the Daleks that they started suddenly planting lesbian seeds yeah. in the dialogue between Yaz and the Doctor. It's never been done. Well, just because it hasn't been done doesn't mean that it should be done. So I'll be amazed if in series 13 there's not some lesbian frisson yeah. between Yaz and the Doctor. 
I don't think it's going to enhance the storyline. It's just, as with a lot of things at the minute that the BBC are doing, it's box ticking. Now, I have got a firm belief, before I come on to who I think would make a good doctor, I've been a staunch supporter of the BBC. I believe in the licence fee. I believe in what it does. Uh, I've always believed that they excel in in many areas, in qualities that you just don't get around the world from other broadcasters. However, in recent years, it's been levelled at them, and not unreasonably, that a lot of programming now is just box ticking. But it's not done in that subtle way. That <laughs> Take, for an example, Star Trek uh, Discovery. Yeah. If you, could, if you wanted to look at something that ticked all the boxes, that would certainly be... That ticks more boxes than you even knew were there. <laughs> But it's done in such a way that it's not, ah, yes, there's a black character and a lesbian character and a gay character and a disabled character. It's not done in that way. There's just this wonderful range of, of different creeds, colours, sexualities, etc. And it's all, and that's the thing about Star Trek, it's always been melded right back to the 60s into this one great big story or this group of people, but it's, it never felt forced. Yeah. With Doctor Who at the minute, it feels horribly forced. So with that in mind, Chris Chibnall, when he took over, he was determined to cast a woman. <laughs> it wasn't the best person for the job. It was, we are going to cast a woman regardless. So and, he, and he literally cast the first woman he saw. <laughs> yeah, I know Jodie Whittaker. Yeah, she, she'll be, she'll be good, <laughs> yeah. won't she? Should we interview anybody else? Nah. Well, we can go through the motions, but uh, I've already made up my mind. So with that, uh, I, it's fair to say Jodie Whittaker has not been universally well received. None of the doctors have been. They've always had the detractors, but she's coming for more stick than most. Personally speaking, I feel a lot of that is down to primarily the writing, which has been absolutely atrocious. Uh, and a couple of the stories, if they'd not happened to land in a particular place and there happened to be a person with a particular disability or a particular skin colour, the whole story would not have happened. It was just a huge mass of coincidences. The one with the blind person in the forest. If you just happened to be a blind person living in the forest, if they'd not been blind, there would have been no story. <laughs> so it, it's this horrible box ticking. And because of that... They've had the first female doctor. They can't go straight back to a white man because they're no. gonna, because that would be the ultimate admission of failure for them. The audience wouldn't care. The ones that actually just want a bit of escapism wouldn't care whether they're black, white or other. But for the BBC, that's the admission that, ah, got to stick with a white man then, have you? So I think we're going to get a black man for the next doctor. I wouldn't be surprised. It's either got to be a man of colour or another woman. <laughs> and the only, the only thing with it being another woman is you then sort of set the, well, d does that mean it's got to be another woman for the next 13 times <laughs> before we can, you know, what, uh, nobody knows what the rules are. They, they, fortunately, they've done it with the, with the master. They said, oh yeah, the master was a woman for a bit. And now the master is a man again. But it's dubious about where the new master comes in the timeline. Yeah. So they've they've had that get out clause. But yeah, I, I completely agree with the with the box ticking. There's definitely going to be some and the the annoying thing about the the whole lesbianism thing is not that it's going to be there, but it's the fact that the character of Yaz has never, never. shown any <laughs> any inclination to um, towards women ever but also Russell T Davis had Christopher Eccleston and David Tennant both you know attractive young men doctors did he ever try Gay and make the doctor no no he had to, he, I mean he brought John John Barrowman in to flirt outrageously but 
that was it. And it's just so silly. Like you say, saying, well, it's never been done before doesn't mean that it should <laughs> It should be done. It's not going to enhance my viewing as a, a long-term fan. Like I said, people don't watch Doctor Who for gritty, real-life, you know, moralising. Yeah. They watch it because they want to see, basically, aliens with guns get defeated by good. And that, that's basically been Doctor Who right back to 1963. It's not been about a moral, preachy story. I mean, the last, what was the last one? Re- Revolution of the Daleks was the last one that was on. And it was just an hour of moralising. And they were just such miserable bastards all the way through. You know, Doctor, we, we've got to find the Doctor. We've got to find the Doctor. She's locked up in prison. We've got to find the Doctor. We've got to get back. We're not seen her for 10 months. As soon as she reappears, oh, you're back then. Oh God! Yeah. Well, we, you know, we've had all these emotional issues while you've been away, and they keep punishing her, even though she's <laughs> back, and that's all they've wanted. She's, and then just every dialogue is about emotions. The entire world's invaded by two sets of Daleks, <laughs> and you're crying in a cupboard about your bloody emotions. Get out! Yeah. <laughs> this would Sorry, never I feel have happened. Strongly about this. <laughs> yeah. William Hartner would never have let that happen. But no, that's that's exactly what it is. It's it's just gone too far, and what. I would really like them to do is almost forget that this ever happened. And it's not because she's a woman. There's a lot of people out there who have just refused to accept her as the Doctor because she's a woman. That's just stupid. It's because she's been terribly written. She's been given three series worth of awful... Well, two, we assume the third one's going to follow the same. (laughs) (laughs) And it... There's been very few episodes that you would ever want to watch again. And even the ones that have been good episodes... They've only been good in comparison to the bad ones. (laughs) Yeah, you're like, oh, actually, that was surprisingly good. Standout classics. So they they need someone, and and we both said this all along, who who can come in and command the role. And she's never been able to do that because partially because she's never been given the opportunity. They wrote her, the first female Doctor instead of being a strong, powerful woman. I mean, you, you suggested Helen Mirren. Yeah, oh, I would have loved to see Helen Mirren. Yeah, she breezed into a room. You remember the, do you remember The Curse of Fatal Death? Yes. <laughs> it was all sort of black velvet and brocade waistcoats. If she'd have been given that sort of costume and strode into the room and said, I'm the doctor, tell me what's going on. Yep, all right then, I'm scared yeah. as hell so, of you. But not flouncing in in what, uh, you know, Simon Exton calls the Bay City Rollers costume <laughs> saying, tell me what's going on right now. <laughs> that is not commanding. That's just petulant. No. There's just been no, you know, you sort of say, well, we'll give it a couple of episodes. Maybe she'll step up. And it just it just hasn't happened. And then when, when, they, when they tried to do it, which was, I think, in this episode... Nobody could be bothered anymore. <laughs> Just like, so, yeah, they need someone who is going to be a bit of a surprise, but not a surprise because, oh, wow, it's a, a black person. It's or, Rusty <laughs> Lee. Yeah, oh, my God, I would love it. It's Rusty <laughs> Yeah. But we spoke about it the other day when Matt Smith was announced as a doctor. I mean, he was there was a bit of uncertainty because he was so young. Yeah. But... For me, and the way they announced it, he just flashed up on screen and he just sort of said something, oh, yeah, when they, you know, when they gave me the call or, you know, whatever he was talking about. And he looked weird. And as yeah. Simon said the other day, he hasn't got any eyebrows. He looks like an alien. <laughs> and it, whatever uncertainty anyone had within 10 minutes of his first episode, 
he was. I, he was the doctor. Yeah. I was completely wrong about Matt Smith. <laughs> I was totally, I'll, I'll freely admit it. When I heard he would, or I saw he'd been cast, a 26-year-old pretty boy, <laughs> he's not going to have the gravitas. Wrong. So wrong. By the time he was throwing baked beans out of the door at Amelia <laughs> Pond's house, Oh, he was he was brilliant, and he he's my second favorite New Who Doctor. Peter Capaldi's still my first. I loved him, also but good, yeah. I, I, I suppose we're we're really what we're getting to is who would we cast? I have always thought that Ben Wishaw would make a really good. Yeah, I can he's see just that. got a kind of a a quirky weirdness about him, he, and a bit of a like an uncertainty British politeness mm. about him that I think would work would work really well. I don't think that's going to happen, but because for the reasons that we've yeah. already said, if it had to be a person of color, I would have I would have quite liked to see the guy who plays the master um do it. Oh, Sasha Dewan. Yeah. yeah. He's a he's a really good actor, but See, I again. was delighted when he was finally revealed as the master because yeah. I thought because when I first saw him on screen I thought Oh, God, you've wasted him in this bit part. Yeah. He's far too good for that. And then it's revealed and you think, oh, so we'll be seeing a lot more of this. Brilliant. So I was I was really quite happy yeah. about that. I, people do seem to forget that the very first master was Latino. And Roger Delgado is revered as this, he's the man, he, he's mm. the governor of the masters. <laughs> Who would I cast? Um... I've always thought Eddie Redmayne. Ever since I've oh, never yeah. seen uh, Fantastic Beasts, but I've seen he did a comic relief skit, far too similar to Matt Smith to have taken over from Matt Smith. Yeah, but I think enough times passed now. I think he'd be bloody brilliant. Yes, if it was to be somebody black or or of color, the logical choice, although I suspect it's far too expensive, is somebody like Idris Elba. I mean, if you're going to have that, you need somebody that walks into the room and people sort of. Pay attention. I know Patterson Joseph has been, uh, he's had his name linked with it a few times. Yeah. I don't think he's got the gravitas. No. And also he's one of those, like like Chris Marshall, who they just tend to put his name in just to, yeah. <laughs> just to throw us off the scent. I mean, I like Chris Marshall, but could I see him as Doctor Who really? <sighs> so, yes. So, I mean, uh, the fact that it's not been officially denied They've always denied it whenever there's been a rumour that Jodie Whittaker's leaving. They haven't this time. Yeah. And the the series is only eight episodes long due to COVID. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, the, to be quite honest, the one that I want to regenerate most is Chris Chibnall. Yes, um, Just absolutely. get rid of that man. Uh, you are no good at Doctor Who. You might be good at other things, but I'm sorry. You, you've missed the point of what Doctor Who is. It's really time for Mark Gatiss to take over. As executive <laughs> yeah. producer. Yes, come on. And that's it. Completely clean sweep. This arrangement that we've got has had a, um, you know, quite a few people like it. Quite a lot of people don't. It's not so disastrous that it's going to end the show. Mm. But if you carry on, it will. It will. Yeah, he needs to go. Bring a, a good doctor. And what What I just, I just thought of a name. What about Dev Patel? Have you seen him in anything? The name rings a bell. Give me a clue. He was in, most recently, the new version of David Copperfield. Um, no, I didn't see that either. 
No, I've, um, I've only I've only seen bits of it, but I, I've seen him in a few things. That I can't remember what, but he is very charismatic, typical mm. sort of doctor look, tall, lanky, very quirky, funny. I think I think he'd be quite good. It needs to be somebody quirky, whoever it is. Yeah. Well, preferably quirky, to be honest, and or commanding. Yeah. The commanding bit has got to be in there on some level. Yes. That was the the whole point with Matt Smith, is he spent most of the episode sort of doing really stupid things, uh, you know, like throwing apples out of the yeah. window and, and me- you know, messing around. And you, if it had carried on like that, it would have got annoying. But then he still has his moment at the end of the episode. And that's the same all the way through. And mm. it's the same with all of the Doctors. Peter Capaldi is horrendously grumpy and <laughs> unlikable. But that's... You know that yeah. he had something about him, and he his headmasterish tone made him commanding. Yes. And yeah, Jodie Whittaker just hasn't hasn't done that. It's just she she and she just spends the whole time relying on these companions who are also <laughs> who also just can't be bothered. And the only one who's any good is Bradley Walsh, who is just unused except in the situations where they need a bus driver. <laughs> 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 or to complain about white men. And <laughs> yeah. uh, so, you know, that, that's another one. You know, let's fill the TARDIS with people. We've, we've got four regulars and a guest cast. What do we find for them to do in 45 minutes? Oh, shit, we'd better actually write a script. <laughs> uh, so we'll have one of them locked up, one of them incapacitated, and two of them running around, plot filling with a separate <laughs> plot strand that doesn't need to be there, yeah. instead of just having one companion and the Doctor. Yeah, I... Oh, sorry. Screening Queens, run the sick. I'm going to suggest this, uh, even though you were the one that brought it up. Uh, it's your topping, but we've got to choose episodes of Doctor. Absolutely. So what are you going for? Well, I am going to go for one of, one of my favourite episodes, and because we've mentioned it several times in this episode, uh, The Eleventh Hour. It's a brilliant one. Love it. The Eleventh Hour is brilliant. I love that as a start to Matt Smith's Doctor. Largely because it's so well put together, it's a good story, and it convinced me that I was wrong in such a stylistic, entertaining way. Yeah, brilliant episode. Matt Smith's debut. Well, conversely, I'm going to go with Peter Davison's Exit, which is a story from 1984 called The Caves of Androzani. Now, it's not going to appeal to a lot of people who have only known New Who. I'd love to know how they view a lot of old Who. Because it's got a bit of... We've grown up with it and seen it the other way around. And we've sort of watched the, the logical transition to what it is today. But the other way around, it must have very... <laughs> to a lot of people. Well, having said that, I know people that have got into Classic Who on the back of New Who. And they absolutely adore it. But Case of Androzani is an outright classic. And it's widely revered among... Uh, Doctor Who fans as uh, just one of the best stories of all time, even to date. Yes. So, and it's, it's uh, yeah, Peter Davison's last story, and it, it's a, a hell of a regeneration when that comes. Yes. That is a very good one. Very good. Well, it's time to decide, feather or not, this is a real world beating issue. 
<laughs> I think we all know where we stand on this, can we? <laughs> uh, <laughs> see, seeing as uh, your other podcasts are almost, well, at least 50%, 50% Doctor, Doctor Who. Yes. Uh, and yes, in the, in the televisual world, there is very little else more important than <laughs> Doctor Who. Uh, and getting it right from now on is even more important. So this is a definite fight. Yes, I've got to say, on a personal level and a, a television world level, any time you get a new Doctor Who, it's it's a five. It, it, it's There's never going to come a point where there's a regeneration and it's not reported on. Did you see yeah. Doctor Who last night? There was a regeneration. New Doctor. Oh, really? Oh, Oh, anyway, Coronation Street. <laughs> Emily spilled a cup of tea last night and scalded her. So, yes, um, this is a topic that I'm sure we'll revisit when eventually 14 does come along. So we've talked a little bit longer than usual on this, but it is a subject that we're uh, it's close to our hearts. Our hearts. <laughs> nice. Yes, so we'll be, we'll be back next time to talk about something equally important, although probably not, because there's... Very little else. <laughs> the colour of Paddington Bear's hat. Exactly. Yes, so we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon. Bye, everyone. Nine Bob Note featured Paul Isles Rush and Ken Moss. Title music was by Mark Scheiman, and the programme was produced by Maverick Productions. For more information, please visit maverickproductionsuk.blogspot.com or find us on social media.